Hitting revenue targets is hard and requires constant hustle. Last quarter's success is already forgotten. Learn the mindset and tactics of today's most successful revenue producers in B2B marketing and sales. We call this the revenue hustle. I'm your host, Tom Hessen, navigating you on this journey. Today's show is sponsored by Nine Lenses, an interactive assessment platform that enables you to add instant value to your buyers and allows your sales team to tailor business conversations focused on the pain points each and every time. Check them out at NineLenses.com. All right. We're here for the next episode of The Revenue Hustle, and it is my distinct pleasure to introduce you to Jessica Dodson, the Senior Director of Marketing at Rundeck at PagerDuty. Jessica, welcome to The Revenue Hustle. Thank you, Tom, for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Oh, I have so much enjoyed getting to know you over the past couple of weeks, Jessica, and I'm so excited to talk about your two revenue rules. But before we do that, I want to just give a little intro, and again, you can share more. But um, like I mentioned, you're currently the Senior Director of Marketing at Rundeck at PagerDuty, and looks like you've been in marketing your entire career, which is uh, about 15 years now. And in your prior role, you were uh, at Sunatype, um, which is a, a great cybersecurity software company. Uh, for eight years doing demand gen, and then you had some roles prior to that. So um, introduce yourself, Jessica. Thanks, Tom. Well, I think you did a great introduction, but yeah, been in, in marketing for enterprise software companies for the past 15 years. Um, my heart and soul has probably mostly been spent in, in the growth businesses um, for the last 15 years, so growing smaller businesses into larger businesses um at various capacities and now more recently i just joined rundeck which was acquired by PagerDuty about three months ago so it's um the best of both worlds where i'm in you know a small growth line of business and a much larger public company that's you know doing great in the market fantastic well we share that passion of growing businesses so um you know that's that's where I've been playing, and 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 so I really like your perspective. Um, I'm going to take a lot of notes today, so um, and see what I can take away. But without further ado, Jessica, what is your revenue rule? Okay, revenue rule one is the account is the common thread between marketing and sales. Mm -hmm. And you know, in the spirit of iteration, as I was thinking about this this morning in my run, um, it's even more not the account, the customer, and I think. You know, that ABM has just been a gift to marketing. Um, you know, the fact that now we are, are able to talk in the same language as sales. Um, you know, it's not just about the lead. At the end of the day, it's about the customer. And it's growing out actually the value of that customer over time. Um, and so in terms, I think internally, we call that the account. And the account is what, you know, you're focused on targeting. But understanding that account and your very best customers is where I think marketing should be spending their time today. Mm -hmm. And and how does that account kind of come into play? Because I guess it's a common thread where you know sales is calling into it, you know marketing is doing initiatives, you know to that particular account, right? This is all kind of the ABM hat, and so you're seeing that account is bringing those two groups together like they hadn't previously. Whereas marketing may have just been getting leads from anywhere, right? Right. I mean, I think you know, like sales when they say I want more leads. They're not saying, I want more people to call. They're saying, I want qualified people to have meetings with. That's what they're saying. And, you know, marketing, I think, you know, in prior years, when lead scoring came on and lead nurturing came on the scenes, like we got really um, about quantifying the volume 
of NQLs that we have. And really, honestly, today, the best marketers should be talking about how am I um, increasing my conversion rate? And it's not about the number of leads that you have. It's about the quality of leads you have. And that starts by understanding well, who's our target. And I think marketing has always been classically changed in personas, so individuals to target. But when you layer on the account above the individual, there you go. You know, that's, that's the key. And that's, that's, that's what sales is looking for. They're looking for companies to call that companies that are going to buy their software. And there's people with inside those companies that they'll navigate to. But I mean, there's not today in enterprise software, not one person signing the check. You know, there's multiple people playing into that deal. And so it is around penetrating the account. Yeah, I thought that was a great point about marketing is trained in personas, but it's not always personas in the context of a company of a particular size, nature, stage. Um, you know, it's just, you know, you know, you have those little graphics of, you know, uh, demand gen Dolly, right? And, and you know, what, is she, what does she do and how does she think? Um, but you're right. It, it, I've never seen that in the context of a particular company or pains that that company is going through or what makes demand gen Dolly a good persona. Yeah, exactly. And they, I mean, it starts by just looking at who are your best customers. And when, when you start to understand, like, what makes your customer your best customer, like, what are those key attributes? And those attributes, I think a lot of what you just hit on, they can be firmographic, like revenue industry, those types of Dun & Bradstreet um, attributes. But then I think today now, marketers have so much more data at hand. And so it's about looking at, like, the landscape. Of the, of the technology that that organization is using. Um, it's about understanding, you know, how, how engaged are, are the, these customers and, and what are the types of things that they look for and what are the types of things that they're searching for, you know? And so when you wrap all those types of things and in, in together, you start to identify patterns. And when you have those patterns, then you can identify like, okay, I have an ideal account profile. And inside those accounts, I look for these type of people. And I think those two together are powerful. And then it just allows you to translate to sales what they really care about, again, which is going after the account. Um, and so, you know, okay, guys, it's accounts that look like this, and it's people inside these accounts with these titles. And because they have these pains, and we offer these values, you know? Um, and so it's like, sort of stepping them through that. And it and I really do think it, it starts by speaking the same language, which is the account and the customer. Well, I mean, you, you did point out a major shift in thinking from marketing, thinking about qu quantity of leads, right? And being measured on how many leads and, and you know, there's, there's a lot of that still. And it's mainly just people to call, right? It's not like they want to talk to sales. It's just somehow they did something that marketing got their name and, and saying that that's, that's worth following up. And, and we know that those conversion rates are, you know, horribly low, which is what <laughs> gives marketing a bad name in the sales community. Right. And exactly. And, 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 and how does that shift happen? I mean, cause I think there's executives, right? Maybe it's not the CMOs, but maybe it's the CEOs or the chief revenue officer, you know, on the sales side that have this expectation that just give me more leads. Right. And if you're not, if you're not showing me the volume, then you're not doing your job, right? And, and so there's, there's this shift happening. Like I see it in the marketing space, but is it happening 
you know, in, in their peers in their peer groups, you know, to, to kind of get on board with quality over quantity. Yeah, I think, you know, it's like funny. I just remember like five years ago when we brought ABM into Sonatype and we all sat down with senior sales leaders and, and I just like, I looked across the table and I was like, the first thing we need to understand is that the number of leads are going to go down and you're just like, pause. <laughs> you know? Because oh, it's like, it starts with being that raw. And then building it up from there. And I think it's just like understanding that, you know, we're going to have to have a total shift in mindset. And, and the beauty of it is, is that we'll be able to do that together because, you know, you understand the types of accounts that are our best customer because you're out there in the field prospecting every day. And so what can you help me understand about those customers and those accounts so that I can do better targeting on your behalf? And that's ultimately what we're trying to do. You know, it's just be a better partner at the top part of the funnel. Because, I mean, one of the key things is, like, I think the account, that enables that one team, one funnel culture. Because you're talking about the same thing from the beginning. And that's really what you want to enable for pure marketing and sales alignment. For them to really see you as part of their funnel. It's not just a marketing funnel. It's not just a sales funnel. It's a revenue funnel. And, you know, when we're all going after the customer at the end of the day and we know what they look like and how to navigate across those customer accounts, we're far more effective. Right. And I think, I mean, I want to kind of go back to that, like the leads is going to go down, right? And, and is that because you're becoming so much more targeted in your, your, your campaigns? You're going after a much smaller universe of, of accounts and companies that you want to break into versus just putting a big net out there and, and just, you know, is, is that kind exactly. of like, how did that happen? Exactly. I mean, we, so we used to call it the tip end of the fear and you work your way back. There's not to say that leads aren't valuable at some capacity. It depends on where you are in your maturity as an organization and what are the things that are most important to you. But, at, you know, if you're just thinking about in any organization of any size and shape, what's the quickest path to value? And when you think about, okay, what's the quickest path to value? It's like, you really want to understand, well, what does value look like? And, you know, and, and if we think about from marketing, it's pipeline, it's revenue, so it's the customer. So why don't we work backwards? Um, and so it's just, it's changing that mindset. And, it's, it, and the leads don't go down forever. It just is when you're switching that mindset and you have historically had maybe a geo-focused, you know, um, lead assignment structure. And so it was really any account within that geography that sales was going after. And you didn't really have, you know, a, or even if you have, you know, small to medium sized businesses and enterprise businesses, like, well, what about what, uh, uh, there's lots of enterprise businesses, you know, what types of enterprise businesses are your really best customers? Um, and I think it's just digging deeper. And the thing about, you know, when I started with marketing 15 years ago, it wasn't like we had the data that we have today. I mean, you know, it's just like the data is there. I think we just, we have to take the time to slow down and be better. And, and, and when you think about quality metrics versus quantity metrics, it allows you to do that. Well, let's talk a little bit about that, um, you know, the data, right? Like how things are different today, right? Like, 
Um, I know there's intent data, and I mean, there, you always have kind of the firmographic stuff, but let's just take me through your process as a marketer to, to say, okay, let's get, get quality, right, at these accounts. We have to figure out who those accounts are. You probably have the personas kind of already figured out, but just take me through kind of the campaign strategy to drive pipeline and revenue. Yeah, so I mean, I think it starts with, by defining like that ideal account profile, and you really want to make that visible across the go-to-market team. Um, and so identifying what are those attributes, um, you know, um, what do those organizations look like, and what's the data that's sort of feeding into that model? You know, it's because of these sort of customers, um, and that's, that's how we develop that model. And once you have buy-in based on the model, then you start to think about, okay, you know, depending on the top of the funnel, the middle of the funnel, and the bottom of the funnel, what are the best ways for me to get engaged with these types of accounts? You know, always at the top of the funnel, it, it, it's a balance of going where the buyer is today and bringing the buyer to you, um, you know, and so that, you know, that is a bunch of acquisition strategies digitally led, I think, primarily today just because of where we are, because even events today are <laughs> digital. Um, but, you know, that, that, so you're starting to understand, like, how, how do I just get my message in front of these key accounts? You know, and and so that could be, you know, in, in various ways of acquisition strategies. And then as you start to, like, move them through the funnel, you're starting to understand, like, what what uh, what types of um, what brought them here? What are the types of things that they're interested in and how can I show them the things that are most relevant for where they are and what brought them here? Because, like, the most frustrating part of somebody's day is, like, going through their your front door and then just getting lost in the mess. You know, and your front door is your website. And so the website is key, I think, to today's business. And so it's just making sure, like, like there's lots of strategies. I mean, we, we had an ABM platform that has, like, an AI-recommended content um, uh, widget on the site. And so it was smart. And it would look at what are these types of accounts looking at and how do I service up that type right. of information so they can more quickly navigate through the site. You know, how do I pop up chat? when they've taken these types of actions and I sort of know that my conversion rate on chat after these they've done these three few things are much higher, right? You don't just pop up chat like, you know, and maybe you can, there's different types of playbooks that you would run though when they come to just the homepage versus when they're deep on their pricing page, right. you know? And I think it's just, it's thinking about how do I get more contextual based on where they are and service them up the best experience. Um, and that could be, you know, ha, ha, and, you know, so when you're driving the acquisition, what's the best messaging to use in the ads? You know, what are the best publications to partner with? You know, lo those types of things. And then, you know, understanding what brought them there and leading them through the right journey. And then I think in today's software, I mean, most people have a trial or a way for people to experience the product. And that value has to be brought all the way through. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so... How do you, and then, and that's, you know, a big part of marketing's job today is, is driving like the growth strategy within the product, because that's, that's a fuel um, for us in marketing today. Um, and so, especially like in a SaaS business. So you know, I think it's just thinking that all the way through. Well, and I think, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of people on gate content now, right? That there's just a lot of awareness, a lot of brand building, just, just teach people how to do something. And eventually they're going to, you know, if you do it well enough, 
they're going to, you know, push the request to demo or, you know, take some like <laughs> further down funnel activity than trying to capture an ebook download name at the very tippy tippy top and then trying to do something with them right before that would be thrown over to sales and it's like no no one's ever going to respond to that you know mm -hmm. from a sales standpoint so i'm curious like with people you know doing more research on their own right before they're willing to engage to sale like how do you get that person to kind of come out of the shadows of all these different things that you're doing to then get that you know, qualified lead or that really like lower or high, high quality lead and pass that over to sales? Like, how do you get them to come out and kind of identify themselves? Yeah, I mean, I, I like, I think it just again goes back to like being smarter about watching the digital footprint. Like, what have they done? And when is the right time to engage? Because like you said, you know, the, today's buyers are so much more informed than they ever were before, right? And so like, if we're not giving them the information, they're getting it from somewhere. And so don't you today in marketing want to be a source of truth, a trusted advisor? And then at some level, you build that trust with the buyer and then you show them an, a relevant conversion at the right time because you've listened to the types of things that they've done. You know, that is going to create the right type of experience. And immediately, you know, you already have trust, you know, you've offered them value and then you're, you know, being open with you know, the, the product that you offer and, and, and the value can deliver to them. Right. Right. And then you'll see that they'll be more interested in engaging with sales at that point or what the, what the offer is. Right. And then being, having sales to engage that person. Um, tell me a little bit about how marketing, you know, do you, are you helping sales? Cause sales is doing their own ABM targeting inside of that account. Right. And again, you're kind of working together, but sometimes separate activities. Is that fair to say? I think the best like teams are trying to collectively work together. I mean, if Sarah's is always going to be doing sales, you know, and so they, and which includes the variety of different types of activities, moving them through that sales process and then also prospecting to feed that sales, to feed our funnel, because it's not just marketing's job to feed the funnel. Right. And right. I mean, especially when you have a land and expand strategy, I mean, a lot of their time is spent on how do I continue to grow value within my customer account? Um, and so, you know, I think when, when we think about how, how best to um, work with sales with ABM is just understanding, I mean, if you can't, again, get to a named account list and it's, it's just being prescriptive about how to apply that account, ideal account profile. And it's like, they should be applying it in the same ways in their outbound prospecting that you are in your inbound. And then you're sharing that information all the way through. You know, and so if it's just like that's what they're used to receiving and they're also prospecting based on those types of attributes, it's naturally working together, you know, not separately. And I think that was kind of what was happening, like you said, is that marketing was just giving uh, we were just giving them leads and not at the accounts that they cared most about. And they were too busy to really tell us the accounts that they cared most about. And we didn't really have the tools to to programmatically manage the account based marketing. Um, because there's an, a huge underlying operational investment in managing account-based marketing, which is one of the inhibitors. Um, but, you know, I says of now a perfect storm. And so that's why, you know, like, again, this, if we use this to, to unify the team, like that's, I think, when the magic happens. Right. And are you, I suspect now your goals as a marketing organization are more pipeline, you know, marketing source pipeline or, 
you know, it gets into attribution and everything else. But like, how have you seen goals, marketing goals change as a result of, you know, going after quality, not quantity? Well, I think a lot of it is about the conversion rates across the funnel. And so that's what you're looking at. It's like, okay, well, how effectively are, you know, from the marketing perspective, like when we're just looking at for a marketing team, like how, how effective are my leads converting to MQL? So how many people that I'm getting in the funnel, are they actually turning to like qualified people that that sales can have a con conversation with? And then how many of those people are converting to meetings? And I think businesses overstep this, this, they go straight to the opportunity but there's a lot that ha happens in the meeting stage. Mm -hmm. And, and, and there's, and, and again, SDRs are normally incentivized to book the meeting and not always incentivized around making sure that opportunity and turns into an op make sure that meeting turns into an opportunity. So the AE receives that meeting and they're asking a whole nother set of discovery questions, right? right. It's a it's sort of same thing. Um, and so and that's why, Again, it's like if the AE is like, oh, okay, awesome. It's the right persona at the right account. Like he's already more jazzed about that meeting than he would have been if it was just a lead that converted into a meeting. Right. Um, and so just continuously measuring that, you know, through the funnel. And so how many meetings turn to opportunities? And then of those opportunities, how many close? Um, and then where are we breaking down as a team? And that's where you're able to see like, oh, it's like, okay, it's at the top. Really, maybe we're not as targeted as we should be on the leads that we're generating because not as many of them are converting to NQL. So we need to tighten down that qualification or, you know, we're not as effective converting to NQLs because that's that, you know, so maybe it's too many NQLs. Let's hold them back and see if we can get more prescriptive around our follow-up. Um, and so that it just like allows you to diagnose like in context to where the problem is. Right. And what are, what are some of the things that you look for before handing off a lead to sales now? Right. So we've got lead scoring. We've got like the digital footprint. Um, and, and so I know you're probably holding them longer than you may have in the past when it was more of a volume game. Right. Where you just like, hey, just throw it over the fence. Right. Now it's. You know, well, it just depends. I don't know if we're holding them longer. I mean, because, again, I think people are becoming they're coming so much more informed. So how long does it take people to convert sort of just depends. Um, and how familiar were they with their problem prior to coming? Um, and so again, that's why it goes back to like, well, what market are you in? How for, you know, like it, that everybody realized that this is actually a pain and there's a solution that solves this pain. Um, and so just depending how much like education has to be done for the buyer. Um, and, and I think it's just like, what the things that we look for um, mostly is the time base and quality of engagement. And so like, what's the frequency of that engagement? What's the quality of that engagement? The volume of that engagement. And if they, if they downloaded seven white papers in 30 days, I don't care that it's seven white papers, sales should be giving them a call. Like they're clearly trying to learn something. And, and the sooner that we can understand, like, what are they trying to learn? And can we help them with that? Like, in mm -hmm. qualify or disqualify? Like, that's the most beautiful part, you know, it's like the, the best answer in marketing and sales is yes or no. Um, and so it's just like allows us to continually move on to, to our best prospects. Yeah, and this is, I mean, this kind of gets where, like, you know, nine lenses we are, you know, selling into sales and marketing. And, and it's interesting that we sit kind of right into that spot where we're creating these interactive assessments where, you know, marketers are asking or offering these interactive assessment experiences to their 
prospects because they know they're researching, trying to figure out, can you help me in my business problem, right? And mm -hmm. we have no idea how they're interpreting that answer or answering that question for themselves. They're reading white papers, watching videos, reading blogs, and we hope that they say, oh, this is a problem I have. I, I hope that you can, you know, you can solve it for me and pick up the phone and call you, right? Or, or request a demo or, or that sort of thing. And so we're trying to help our clients figure out or offer their prospects a more prescriptive, direct, personalized experience as to like, oh, you're, you're strong here, you're weak here, here's how we would help you. And now it becomes very clear to that buyer that they have a real need and pain and here's how you can help me. And all of a sudden it kind of connects in a more personalized way um, because most you know, other ways, like you just don't know what their business problems are. Like they don't just tell you, you know, by reading mm -hmm. a white paper, like here's my business problems, right? So like, is there, is there anything else that you're doing to try to help understand the pain or is there, you know, cause ultimately going into sales, like they're kind of still guessing unless, you know, yeah. I guess you the content that they're consuming and things of that nature. Well, I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's, I, that's where the middle of the funnel calls to action are super relevant. And I think it's like a lot of what you said. It's just, you know, that the white paper is their top of the funnel. And so it's just like those people are researching and the fact that he's downloaded seven, it's like, okay, they, he, they're, so they're aware that that organization has a problem, but they don't quite know how to solve it yet. Um, but we could, again, call them earlier and build that trust and an and advisory approach right. and help move them quicker. Um, but, or, you know, there's other people who aren't going to really consume information, like you said, that way. Maybe there are more micro readers, blogs, videos, all that stuff. We're maybe not tracking, right? We don't have all, all of the analytics across all of the assets that we have on our website, which is very normal um, for many businesses. And so I, I, that's what, honestly, I loved about Nine Lens, you know, was just, you've got to think, I think, critically about how is the way that I can extract as much information about this person and the problems that they have, so I can arm sales with that. You know, it's not just SDR's job anymore to ask for BANT when they call, you know, that's not what we do these days, right? Yeah, that doesn't go over yeah. too well, you know? That yeah. doesn't go over these days, you know? But, I mean, so it's like, how how do we get these people to engage? And I think a lot of it is, you know, a big part of, of our strategy is product-led growth, you know, and so the sooner that we can get them into the product and seeing value and achieving outcomes, the better off that we are. But prior to that, you want to be a trusted advisor and you want to help them diagnose their problems. And, and so I think like assessments, you know, leading them through like a maturity framework, helping them understand like where they are in, in this, 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 this universe and, and where, what steps they can take for incremental value. Cause it's like, also you don't want to make it too complex, right? right? Um, it's just, you've, you have to kind of let the person adopt something that's going to help them get value incrementally. And then over time, you know, that expands as, as the organization adopts that way of working. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. Cause I think one thing that still strikes me is just how uninformed our customers still are, even though they still know yes. more than they ever did before, they still don't know nearly enough to make a quality decision as to whether or not you can help me or not usually, right? And, and, and sometimes people just will answer that question for themselves and leave and you never have the opportunity, um, but it's, it's just still 
shocking to me. And again, it, it makes sense. They're not experts in, in what we're offering or what you're offering or what anybody else is offering. They're not experts. Uh, they, they think they are sometimes, but when they actually get into the conversation, they still need that value from, from marketing and from sales to continue to educate and, and help them understand really where they are and what their options are. Cause it's, it's, it's too complex of a world out there in a lot of cases. Yeah. And I mean, I think probably like for you guys with assessments, it's like probably some people, they don't know what are the right things I should be assessing. Um, you know, and, and that's some of the things that, that, that your buyer might be going through, you know? Um, and so they might not have that framework. They might not be like a hundred percent sure. Um, and so, you know, I think, those are the types of things that, um, you know, even engaging with the users, I'm sure you guys do some surveys and stuff like that's easy ways, you know, to, to think about like, how can, how can I better understand where people are getting stuck on their journey and right. how can I help them? Right. Right. No, that's great. Well, that's a great, um, great discussion. I know you've got, um, <laughs> a second revenue rule that we want to talk about. So let's transition there. Jessica, what is your second revenue rule? Well, we touched on a bit, but um, it is intent is today's marketing differentiator. And, you know, what I really mean about that, and we've touched on a little bit around the data that's at, you know, our fingertips today as marketers. But, um, again, it's like the quality of that data. And, and, and intent is just, I think, something that's come on the scene, like, in the last five years. And now almost every publication has been, you know, better understanding their user base and their patterns and the types of things, the contents, the content that they've been reading, the keywords that they use to search. And now these businesses are offering that as an offering for you um, as marketers. And so, and it's like, okay, well, these are communities where my buyers are today. And these people have already done the analysis on the patterns of behavior and the types of things that they look for. Shouldn't I license that? and learn from it, you know? And, and so that, that's one of the things that, that we found very successful, um, you know, and I've continued to use, you know, all the way through. Um, and I'm sure, you know, just the quality of intent and sort of the way that we look at intent will continue to evolve. But I think, you know, that's, that, that's a key thing for today. And, and I, you know, I just, I mean, I've heard about intent data. I kind of understand the premise, but I have not actually seen it in action except for like, um, we just licensed something and, and we now have access to intent data. And so, you know, they gave us our list of, um, you know, intent categories, right, that they think best align with what it is we do at Nine Lenses. And so now we can see all these companies that have high intent scores around the categories that we're likely targeting. And so mm -hmm. I'm like, I mean, it's, 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 it is eye-opening, right, to say like, oh, that company is actively looking for things in and around what we do. And now we're trying to figure out, well, what do I do in response to that, <laughs> right? So now it's yeah. like, okay, I now know where to go. I know which targets and which accounts to target. I'm really curious about how do you leverage that information? Because you don't know who's searching, right? You don't know, you mm -hmm. know, um, maybe it's just – so I'm really curious, just kind of in your experience, how do you take – that intent data and then do something with it. Yeah, and it's, I mean, that's, that's definitely the challenge is making intent actionable. And, and so you have to put it in context to the account and then tying those people that you know at those accounts to that intent. And so it's like, okay, well, at, 
um, we know that this account came through our front door looking for vulnerability scans. Um, and so when I'm thinking, when I'm looking at the account in my CRM system, we've got 30 security contacts. So let me start to work in the word vulnerability scans as I start to prospect them, right? Very small, subtle things. It's, it's nothing, like I, I always see people always like, how do you do ABM? And it's like, the same way you're doing marketing today. Like it's, it's not that it's, there's nothing, there's nothing different about ABM. It's a lens. You put on the sunglasses and everything that you do is in context to that, you know? And so it's all your same playbook. And of course your playbook is going to continue to evolve. Um, but it's just how you run that playbook from the start is, is the difference. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what, um, you know, because I'm not a trained marketer like you are. I am learning marketing, and um, I enjoy my conversations with people like you because I learn um, a lot faster. And so, but that was the thing that kind of jumped out to me is like we still got to reach out to these people via email. Like you have contacts to these accounts. Um, we know that they're searching for these things. You know, according to our our intent data provider, um, they haven't been to our website. I'm I'm pretty confident, but you know, we just know, and you just kind of have to sprinkle those words into your outreach, um, and and just hope that that catch, you know, you catch the right person that's in a meeting talking to about these topics, and and um, it, it's more of like striking while the iron's hot, right? It's kind of how I'm thinking about it. Yeah, it's, I think it's just like added context, but I think where you like what you just hit on, it's like intent alone is not going to be the differentiator. It's intent paired with engagement, paired with everything else that you already know. And that that's just where then the recipe gets successful. You know, and so I, I think that that's one of the things that, you know, we worked hard to do and just, it was a three-year iteration, but it was actually like creating a dashboard inside the CRM system because it's like, first of all, this intent is, is, is not in an actionable form because it's like, how do they take that intent and then do like exactly what you said, call and email the prospect, you know, and so it was like, is that intent A, inside the system tied to the account so that they can take action? Um, you know, and, and that's like what you, that should be like the end goal. And is that intent co in context to the other engagement that's happening in that account within that same time frame? you know? And then again, let's first line of defense. Who do we know? Have any of those people been active? Okay, great. You know, and then let's go to the more outer shell of who are the people we've been prospecting that have been warm, you know, and you just kind of keep building the shell out. Um, but I think it's where when you bring all of that information together is when it becomes actionable. I think that the, the biggest challenge with like bringing ABM like full circle within organizations is like still sales is always going to say, well, like who at the account, like who, you know? Um, and that's why I love like tools like Demandbase and Engageo where they're, we're, we're starting to think about account scores. And, and it's multiple people within those accounts that make up that score. And as marketers, we're now looking top down. And so it's about like, are we getting the right people from the right accounts, you know, associated so that we can right. continuously market to them? Right. And that all goes back to the priority. So a, a better account score would be more likely to buy, right? And yeah, then, exactly. It helps sales. It helps marketing. I guess marketing can scale a little bit easier sometimes than, than sales. So you can probably touch more accounts than they can. Um, yeah, because I think that's 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 an interesting thing. Like the account scoring, 
And you know, also ultimately goes back to is the the business problem painful enough for them to want to do something? Right at the end of the right. day, like marketing and sales is really just a, an exercise on how much change is the customer willing to go through. You know, and and the bigger the pain, the more willing to change. And you don't ever know that, right? I mean, at the end of the day, someone's got to get on the phone with that customer and qualify how big is the pain, how you know, if their hair's on fire, they're more likely to do something than you know, they're just intrigued, you know, maybe that's a 12, 18 month. I mean, who knows how long, maybe they don't, don't do anything. And so that's something that we're contemplating just with the nine lenses is looking at the assessment results. And, you know, the more pain provides a better opportunity. And we're, we're looking at using the data to be more predictive, right? So if, if, mm-hmm. if a hundred people take an assessment and you tie that to the outcomes, did they buy, did they not buy, what product did they buy? And then you can say, well, okay, the next person that comes in that takes an assessment, you can get a pretty good profile as to are they likely to buy or not based on the significance of their pain, right? So just kind of an interesting thing that we're just kicking around because, uh, you know, that, that, that data is – you don't have that data, right? Just what is their business pain? Like that's one unique thing about an interactive assessment. But that's just something that you, you jumped out and, and uh, spoke about account scores. But that to me is like predictability of – buying yeah and that would feel feed it and i think it's like exactly what you said the the best data that like we have as a business is our win-loss data like who's actually gone through the process today and how can we better actually understand more about our losses and more about our wins um and then when when you when you use that data to formulate your ideal account profile that's even that much stronger um, and that's, you know, really the secret sauce. I mean, a lot of businesses, depending on the shape and size, they might not have that level of data rigor and things like to go back and analyze. But yes, I mean, the more that you can base it on win and loss data and understand like, because those are people that actually went through the process. They had some level of pain. So w- what happened, you know, um, and, and who came out on the other side? Right. No, that's a great, um, I'm going to take that down. We haven't done that in a while. Um, well, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, I think intent is, you know, we're still scratching the surface, I think with intent data and Mm -hmm. it's, you know, on the consumer side, you know, there's just so much data about, you know, what websites (laughs) you visit and, and I mean, you, you know, you know, what organizations they're a part of, how they voted. I mean, there's a million different things that we have on the consumer side that I just don't think we'll ever get on the business side because people don't buy for themselves. They're buying on behalf of their company. And, And so it's just a lot harder veil to penetrate, but I do think, um, you know, using that data just helps. Uh, and I, I've become a believer just in the last couple of weeks, just seeing the intense scores um, and, and changing behavior based on it. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, but I can see how that is a long journey. And a, another guest um, was just saying, you just have to start ABM. Yeah. You just, you know, cause it, the longer you do it, the better you're going to get. And it sounds like you've, you, you kind of aligned to that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's a great, the, you know, just to follow in life, right? I mean, it's like, it's about the first step, you know, and every single step you continue to take, you, you learn from. And, you know, even if it's the wrong step, actually, many of the wrong steps are the very best steps that you took because you learn not to do that again. 
right? And so if like you're not trying, you're not iterating, you're not experimenting, you're not learning about the latest. I mean, COVID has brought this to the forefront for us, right? It's like our whole lives changed in front of us. And, you know, it was a couple of years ago that like probably some of the best marketers started to see that that was happening. And they started to adopt practices that made the flow a bit less hurtful. But, you know, I mean, we're all sort of adjusting. And so I think it's just like you said, I mean, the ABM is the way it's going, you know, like, so this, this is marketing today. And that's why I think it's like funny. It's like, oh, do you have ABM experience? It's like, well, everybody should at some level, you know, because it's the right. same marketing you're doing today. It's just thinking a little different, critical thinking right. around marketing. Um, so we all have experience in it. It's just like how many people have actually done it. And, and then as you start to do it, you start to get better. And it's a journey. It's like, you don't do it all at once. Right. And so like, here's the one great first step that we took. And I, I remember like six years ago, I went to this workshop for a vendor and it was like a breakfast, which I don't do that often, but I was like, you know, it was at the tower club in Tyson's and it was a nice breakfast. So I was like, ah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> so I went and they, like, it was just a couple key things that, that they said in that meeting. And it was like, it was that ABM lens thing. It was like, stop overthinking this. You know, it's just the glasses that you wear to see your job. And then it's like, here's some practical steps. What about creating uh, a list of folks, a list of accounts that were active on your website in the last 70 days and sending that as a notification to sales? Like, you know, if you're, and it's not just the people, but it's like the accounts and like, then, you know, what about, um, you know, just starting to, um, talk to them about the accounts that they care most about and start to partner on like regional activities around those accounts, you know, and start to, in partnership, get those accounts engaged together. Um, and it's just like, it starts small, you know, I mean, I think a lot of times people's like, oh, they go all the way to like the highest levels. It's like, we've got to align on a, a set of named accounts and it just like never goes anywhere, <laughs> you know, because nobody, especially the larger businesses, right. you know, how do you like these, how do you get alignment? It takes a long time. Um, and so I think it's just like starting to run the playbook that you already know how to run in context to account and then learning from there and elevating those learnings, you know, to leadership so that they can see that this is a transformational way of working. Mm. No, that's great. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'd love to learn a little bit about how you got into marketing. How did you know that that mm -hmm. was your, 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 uh, your jam, right? Like, how did you get into marketing? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I mean, it told me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was easy. Um, yeah, no, I, I was a PR major in college and I, you know, I, I'll admit I got out of college and I was thinking I'm going to move to New York City and I'm going to be, you know, a, a, in a work for a PR agency. And then I went on a couple of interviews at PR agencies and early um, entry positions in PR agencies are certainly not too glamorous. And I was like, okay, well, uh, you know, let me be more open to other opportunities. And I was in the Washington DC area and you know, Washington, D.C. area has a ton of technology companies in it. And so I got my first job at Dell Tech and I was in actually the global um, marketing department and I supported three directors, director of communication, director of events um, and director. Well, nonetheless, oh, PR director. Um, and, and so I got like to dabble in all of that. And wow. I was just like, oh, my gosh, I was like this marketing stuff. It's like 
like seeing it in action versus reading it in textbooks in school, like that was when I started it to be like, wow, how, this is effective. Um, and like, I, I could, I could be good at this. Um, and then one of those directors introduced me, um, to my first mentor at a small startup. And she came to me one day and she was like, I'm going to introduce you to my husband. He's working for a small startup. It's a 40 person company. You're going to be the second person in marketing and you're going to, he's going to teach you everything you need to know. And you're going to thank me later. And I still do. Susan Warner. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it was true. I mean, it was just like, I went and just then again, immersed myself in this company. Right. I got great opportunities to learn from really smart people. And, you know, from there, I've just grown um, to just love it. And, you know, and, and kind of the bleeding edge of it and businesses that like, don't know how to do it, or don't even really know what their market is. And, you know, just like put your crown of the ear and listen to it and develop it. Um, I think it's super fun. Well, it seems like you found a sweet spot with these growth companies, right? Because I think, you know, all of us kind of have to find our sweet spot, not just in the domain, but also kind of in the, the stage, right? Like helping a growth company that may be less sophisticated, right? That doesn't have all these tools or knowledge or people or resources and, and you're, you know, bringing a ton and kind of moving the mountain. Whereas like in big companies, you're, you're you know, it's a very different role, right? So how did you... Yep kind of find your sweet spot because it seems like it is kind of in that growth side yeah I mean I I I spent probably the good the first 10 years I mean uh you know eight of those 10 years in a growth company so I think it was just kind of like by nature that like I, I found the sweet spot there but I mean you know Sonatype itself when I started was you know very small 10 million dollar software business and they're much 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 larger you know and so today and so just being able to like start with a growth company and then seeing what it does require to scale and then what it requires to scale to from 10 to 100 to 100 to 200 from 200 to a billion all very different levels so that's why like uh, it's exciting for me to be in my current role today because i'm in a growth right. company with a line of business but running alongside of a much larger public traded company um, that's doing great things and so how do I you know, take all of their best practices that brought them to where they are today and apply them into a company of my shape and size and scale and run effectively and so that's been that's like a new challenge for me right, you know it's right. sort of setting in this middle domain where it's like all of my growth experience so I'm so I'm like because not everybody is for a growth company <laughs> I mean you know it's, right, it's right. not not for everybody. You have to really be uncomfortable being uncomfortable, yeah, comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, really just like being fluid to how things will change and evolve and knowing that you don't have all the answers. Right, right. Um, but that's why this new role is cool because it's like Pedro Duty does have a lot of really great answers. Um, so, you know, I'm starting with a lot of really great knowledge and then all of my experience and grit that I gained, you know, at right. those companies. Fantastic. Well, Jessica, thank you for coming on the show today and sharing all those great uh, perspectives on marketing and intent data and accounts. And, and uh, we wish you nothing but great success at your role and hope you can come back and visit us again soon. Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed getting to know you and Nine Lens, and I look forward to further partnering. All right. Fantastic. Take care. Bye. 
Thank you for tuning in to The Revenue Hustle. This episode has been brought to you by Nine Lenses. Close more deals with interactive assessments. Check them out at ninelenses.com. See you next time.